اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال محمد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين اياك نعبد واياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين امين Everything is still visible. Okay, so is the sound all right and the shared screen visible? Good, all right. Uh, so let me go ahead and just read Ibn Arabi's introduction to this, this chapter, which is on the Surah 109. And Surah, of course, the enclosed fence, the enclosed area. So this, Uh, the beginning of this chapter for Ibn Arabi, he says, on recognizing the Awthan, and so the Wathan. So this is a statue, carved wood, hones, uh, stone, and it's associated with worship, but not images, that these uh, statues are innocent of the charges that they asked to be worshiped. So the key here is that did these um, statues say, worship me? This is part of a mosaic station. So it's connected with Moses and Torah. And it is part of the alighting places of the imperative of the seven. And it's a little bit of a mystery exactly what the imperative of the seven is. Uh, we can look at them, but it's the seven different vocatives. So if we could have Omar uh, recite uh, this, this uh, surah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل يا أيها الكافرون لا أعبد ما تعبدون ولا أنتم عابدون ما أعبد ولا أنا عابد ما عبدتم ولا أنتم عابدون ما أعبد لكم دينكم ولي دين صدق الله العظيم Say O unbelievers I worship not that which you worship nor worship you that which I worship. And I shall not worship that which you worship, nor will you worship that which I worship. Unto you, your religion, and unto me, my religion. Thank you. So we've seen that in the part that we're looking at now, this, this particular section of the Futuhat, It's night, book 19 to 27, I think. Um, and, these, and it's about 2,500 pages. And in it, Ibn Arabi is going through each of the, the surah, the suwar, the surah of chapters of Quran. And he's going backpedaling. So he starts with the last surah and then goes all the way and he'll end with Fatiha. And so we're also kind of progressing that way. We started with Kauthar, the, the pond or the fountain, and we looked at all of that. And then we're now at this surah. And, uh, you know, what comes next, we'll see. But this came out to me. And so I 
worked on this particular uh, chapter in the Futuhat. And as we've said that Ibn Arabi in other parts of the Futuhat, he'll take a verse and he'll parse it grammatically. Um, he'll look at the historical context. He'll look at the context in other parts of Quran and he'll do those kinds of, of exercises, works and studies in order to you know, get some insight from the verses and to make his point and to what he's trying to show us. But in this part, he doesn't do any of that kind of analysis. So analysis is chopping things up to see them better. So he doesn't analyze this surah here. He doesn't show us why the, the, the words are the way they are. He said, instead he takes us to where this surah was revealed. And he's going to show us a number of things that he saw when he got to that place where this surah was revealed. We'll look at three of those. And none of these verses will come up in the chapter itself, which is of course very uh, strange and, and is telling us that something else is happening here. And what's happening is he's gradually working with us to understand that to go to the place where the sacred texts are revealed is what we what we want to do what we need to do and that the close analysis of a verse won't take us to where we need to go and so we've looked at these that last week we looked at these uh, images that he uses uh, the special face that each created being has the first place that the divine tajalli hits us it's where the Quran and the Torah and the gospel were revealed. It's the sadr, the chest, the first thing that uh, is confronted. And then when we get there, when we are, as the song that we listened to last week, deep within, then we are open and ready for divine instruction. And we can either receive the divine instruction directly and or we can receive it from those who received it directly from their feet and inheriting them. We can open up our heart and find out what the heart says about a situation we're in and we'll take our decision from our heart. So these are the, this is the kind of images that Ibn Arabi uses to help us see what we need to be seeing when we go to this place. And last week we saw about the granular purity. So you think that, or our intellects think that when things are muddied, then we don't see clearly that there's a problem. And that if we could just remove the particulate matter, we would see clearly. And the, the irony or what Ibn Arabi tells us is that no, it's those particulate matters which allow us to see clearly. So it's a granular purity, not a muddy impurity. So this is the poem that Ibn Arabi writes to start us on our journey into this 109th surah. And so, uh, and Klaus, if Klaus could read that for us. As for which, O you, is from him, on account of his turning to face us. Between us is a vision, 
soldiers coming for the wars. The vast space too constricted to carry them. Their spares, all of them stars. Aiding them is the imperative and the resolution. Argo, the ships skimming the surface, their ocean deep, the winds blowing through, a breeze. So that you may adhere, O oh my friend, with a knowing. The earth and the sky are too constricted for who. So that you may leave the other in his misty blindness by means of witnessing what the mist truly is. So thank you. So this is the, the granular purity. Ibn Arabi is painting us a picture of this cosmic dance and cosmic drama and cosmic action. And he is pointing us to the mist, that the mist is that on one hand, someone says, my eyes are mistily blind. And so I'm clouded over. So if your eyes are clouded over like a mist in front of your eyes, you'll complain that you can't see clearly. But Ibn Arabi says the same mist is the place where all things come from. And so they are essentially pure and they are granularly pure. So he's pointing us in that direction. And the, the chapter that he writes then is this exploration of the enclosed area of Surah 109. So as with maps, we'll, we'll look at three of uh, places on the map in this chapter. And as with maps, uh, we, again, Ibn Arabi is using this metaphor very beautifully because he's saying, look at the map and you see this blue lake over here. Now, if I dive closer and closer and closer into this map, I'll get in the end, a bunch of pixels, you know, blue and white pixels in different places. And I'll say, oh, there's the lake, but that's not the lake. It's of course, the word is not the thing, but the map is to be studied. And so we are encouraged to study this map uh, because by studying this map, we prepare ourselves to see what the lake is. And if we've gone to a lake before and we see a picture, a representation of a lake, then that gives us a hint about when we look at that representation, it's as if we are there also. So I'm very, I've always been fascinated by looking at people's pictures of something and going to the place or being in a place and then seeing a movie which has that place. Because then I'm seeing the representation and my experience very close. And then I can see what's the difference between my experience and the representation. The way you see the image and the way I see the image. And by understanding the differential, I increase my understanding of the place. So the same way with words, he's telling us, he does parse words and he does use grammatical analysis. But at one point he'll say, 
the more you break down the word at some point you're left with pixels you're just left with dots and so how to go into that place deeply but not going into the pixelated place but to the reality place so that's what he is slowly in these 2500 pages slowly leading me as a translator to figure out how i can describe all of these things so this first stopping place is a, a first lesson or insight it's a place where this was revealed so of these authan which are typically statues the subtlest one is the self and the thickest is the stone. So self can be worshiped. One can take oneself to be one's God. And so that is a subtle statue. You've erected a statue called myself, I'm God. And this is why the ones who associate gods with God, when they were called to declare God one in his divinity, they said, has he made the gods a one God? Indeed, this is something strange. Ibn Arabi says, now the people, you know, the people who, who read this verse, they typically carry his word, indeed, this is something strange, to it being a statement of these infidels. So that the one statement is, has he made the gods a one God? Indeed, this is something strange. But according to us, this is a statement of haq, the true or a statement of Rasul, the messenger. And so the amazement, isn't this strange, comes from the amazement of the first constraint who teaches the human being that God is not a thing made, is not a statue made, because in fact, he is a God by himself. He is God without us making him God. This is why a stern upbraiding comes to path with his statement, which Abraham speaks in the Quran, are you worshiping what you yourselves carved? So he's taking us to the mist, and we had in the poem the first uh, remembering of the mist. So instead of the misty clouds that, that blind us, the mist which is where we come from. So the true is a hidden treasure, a concealed treasure and longing to be recognized. And that longing to be recognized is a sigh. And the sigh is a warm vapor which creates this mist. And in this mist, which is made by desire and love, the first image that's reflected is the first constraint. So this is usually translated first intellect, I'll be using first constraint because the infinite is constrained at the first time into this finite image. And this first constraint, and Ibn Arabi says, call it the pen, call it the Nur Muhammad, the light of Muhammad, or call it the first constraint, is the first teacher. So the first teacher is saying, there is no God but God. And then the, on the other side, and Muhammad is his messenger. So this is the first teaching. So the amazement is that intellects who are coming from this first intellect or first constraint, 
they ought to know, ought to have learned that they don't create God, but that God is God all by himself or on his own. And the intellect should have these two kinds of knowledge. One of them is this intuitive knowledge that once you get there, you don't need any other information or proof. And daruri, in Urdu zaruri, uh, self-evident knowledge, like heat and cold. That's just self-evident knowledge. So this is the first place, number one, that the intellects from the first intellect, from the first teacher, should know that God does not, is not made, and therefore, are you worshiping something that you yourself carve? So one. And then two, for the second insight is, learn, my friend, that this alighting place is one of the places of covering and concealing. So covering and concealing are these words kafir or kufr, and that's translated as unbelievers before, disbelievers, ingrates, and, the, and then sitter is this covering. So it's a place of covering and concealing and acknowledging divinity in everything which is worshiped other than God. You see, no one is worshiping the stone, the statue itself. No, they are worshiping the site in which a correlation of divinity is made. So they say, here's a stone and I'm correlating that to the divine and worshiping God through the correlation of this stone. So no one is worshiping the stone, they're worshiping God correlated to the stone. And Ibn Arabi says in the chapter of love, this is how we love as well. We don't love someone, we love God who is correlated to us through that someone. So the uh, other parts of Quran tell us, and your cherisher has concluded that you are all worshiping only who? So this decided or concluded or resolved, some translate it as command. And Ibn Arabi is well aware that the word can be commands you to worship only Allah, him, or it means has decided that you worship only him. And he says, Ibn Arabi says, there's a world of difference between the two. Because the one says we don't naturally or automatically worship God, so we have to be commanded to worship God. And the other way says we automatically worship God. Whatever we do, we worship God. And Ibn Arabi then also says, you see, this stone is correlated to divinity. And so people worship the divine. And if you ask them, who created you, they will say God. So everyone will say, God created me. They won't say, this stone created me. They'll say, God created me. Therefore, they cited only divinity, and they did not cite individuals, the individuals that they worshipped or loved. So the ones who declare God one, worship God along two paths. There's the path of essence, essence zat, in the context of her, the zat, meriting divine adjectives. So all these divine names and adjectives. And there's the path of divinity herself. And the felicitous person combines the two since the worshiper is composite, composed of letters and meanings. So the meaning part of me is essentially worshiping God at all time. The letter part of me has things in front of me 
that I am correlating to God and worshiping through the letters and through the things in front of me. And just to give now a, a sort of a legal explanation of all of this, it will be much later, we'll describe the kind of legal ramifications of such a insight. It is well known according to the one who witnesses this, that this image is not that image. And for each image, necessarily the one who witnesses her may say, she is God. This surat, this image, she is God. It is just as is established in his statement, wherever you turn, there is a face of God. So the face of God is there in every face anyone turns towards. So whatever face I turn towards, there is the face of God. And despite this, if the human being during his prayer turns to other than the Kaaba, with his knowing the direction of the Kaaba, his salat, his prayer, is not accepted. You see, made law for him was to face only this particular house in this particular ritual worship. So if you are in this particular worship, which says face the Kaaba, and you know which direction the Kaaba is, you face the Kaaba. Then, if he turns during other than this worship, if you're in a worship that's not the, the Solat that has the Kaaba, which is authentic only with the specification of this particular direction, then God accepts this turn. Uh, uh, Sorry, we're having. Okay, I think, I think we're having some. <laughs> okay. So the, the vice versa of this is, it is just as if he believed in his belief system that every direction he turns to, there is not a face of God, then he would be covering up this truth, ignorant. And this is why the laws differ. And what is unlawful in one law, God makes lawful in another law. So this is the, the oneness of the laws in all of their differences and even their contradictions. Now, Ibn Arabi will bring this insight into uh, letters in this chapter, the, the, the actual letters. And he says there's the Aleph, which is in the beginning of the word, and no letter joins this Aleph, points to the word God is, and there is nothing with who. So in the mist, the description is God is, and there is nothing with who. So you see the yellow circle, the oval, that's the Aleph. It doesn't connect to the, word, the letters that are coming next. And in <clears throat> Chapter 5 uh, in Volume 1, Ibn Arabi has the, describes the circle of letters. The Nur Muhammad, the first intellect, the first constraint, is an alif which does not come into the world. What comes into the world is the hamsa, which is an ah sound, 
And the ah sound comes from deep inside the chest. The next letter, as the letters are coming from our chest through our mouth, is the ha sound, a light ha, ha. And then all of the letters go from there, all the way through the mouth, the throats, the palatal letters, the dental labials, all of the different letters. And the last one, labials. The last one are the lips and the wa, the wu. So the wa sound is the last letter that comes from the human being's physical body. So the first letter that is formed is ha, and the last is wa. So H, U, who. So who goes through all of the, from the chest to the palate, to the dentals, all the way through the body is who. And so the alif, this ah sound, doesn't connect to any of these letters. And so it, it starts out here and then can't be seen anymore. And when it comes out, it's either a ha or a ta or a ta or a wav or a meme or any of these other letters, other sounds. Okay. And this, another way that Ibn Arabi works with this uh, idea of images and worshiping is in this passage um, in volume two, uh, which is out and available, that this is the Annunciation. So in this Annunciation, that Jibril Gabriel takes the form of a beautiful, well-proportioned man. And then as Ibn Arabi says, Mary sees this sight and in her, uh, her fluid drops to her womb and the, that is the creation of the body of Jesus. And so this is what, and so that this conception took place by image, an image. So Gabriel took image and it, and it influenced and made a fluid drop into her womb to create Jesus. And this is why Ibn Arabi says the case for the image predominates in the community of Jesus, son of Mary unlike in the rest of the communities. So the community of Jesus, son of marriage has images. Thus, they make images as pictures in their churches and they apply themselves to worshipful devotion by facing them, facing these images because the origin of their prophet was from image making. This truth flows throughout his community until today. And then when the law of Muhammad وسلم, came and he rejected images and he had enveloped the truth of Jesus and he had enfolded his law into his own law. And he made law for us that we should worship God as if we see him. So then he brought him for us into the image making place of us. And this is the meaning dimension of imagination. So the, when Gabriel comes to Mary, he takes on an image, that image creates her fluid into her womb, creating Jesus. And so Jesus's followers, community, will have images that they will put in their churches and they, that will induce in them worshipful devotion. The next time Gabriel comes, the next time Gabriel comes, he takes another form called Dihya, and he takes this form and he says, 
that you worship God as if you see him. So the image that's put outside there for the community of Jesus is an image which is put inside here for the next community. So our images are inside and those images that we have, we worship as if we see him. Now, Ibn Arabi is talking about this Aleph and what it forms and, and doesn't, when it joins and when it doesn't join. And on this side, these are the letters which don't join to the Aleph. So with the Aleph, they have a letter here and an Aleph here, they don't join. So they are transcendent. The rest of the letters, when the Aleph is there, they join with the Aleph. So the B and the A, the Aleph, join and you have ba in one line. So all of these letters here are letters which have joined to the Aleph, the transcendent Aleph. The ones that don't join certain people, so certain people are, are these letters and they don't join to the Zat or to the Aleph or to the essence. And so they are they worship without any connection and any linkage to the essence. So they are absolutely other. They worship God, Zat, as absolutely other. Okay. Um, so to we we Ibn Arabi told us that, that no one worships the statue, they worship the correlation to divinity. And so then the question becomes in, in um, many religions and Semitic religions and Abrahamic religions, you know, what is this other God, this, this uh, partner associated with God? So Ibn Arabi says that the Tajalli are always multiplying. There is one God in many forms. And the tajalli in images multiplies who as well because of their differences while the entity is one. So then if the matter is truly this way, what will you do? And this is so amazing. I, I've got to figure out a better way to translate that. He says, you know, what you're gonna do? <laughs> He's really saying, what you're gonna do? If the matter is this way, that the tajalli is always multiplying, what are you gonna do when people say, that's God, that's God, that's God? Or how is it correct for me to fault any proponent who says this is God? This is how there is really no fault in anyone about who. No, the fault lies in affirming the other. So the fault is not that there's that that's not God, that's not God. It's saying that this other thing which is other than God. Well, there is no other than God. The other is the argument for a partner besides God. So it's an argument for nothing. So la ilaha illallah, there is no other God. So this other God that you're talking about is nothing. You see, there is no partner beside God after all. This is why God does not forgive it. So we have up here, Allah forgiveth not that partners should be set up with him. Lo, Allah forgiveth not that a partner should be ascribed unto him. So, this is why God does not forgive it, because forgiving means covering over, and only someone who has being can be covered over. And the partner besides God is a nothing, so it cannot be covered over. 
This is a word for you to verify for yourself. Indeed, God does not forgive that a partner be associated with him. You see, such a partner cannot be found. So it can't be forgiven. But if it did exist and could be found, then it would be real and authentic and forgiveness would have a solid entity to attach itself to. There's nothing in existence which can accept opposites except the universe in the place where it is one. So opposites are, we have the circle, the first and the last, and that, the, and that one circle contains the first and the last, contains the opposite. So let's say I want to, I want to separate the first and the last. So I'll cut the circle into pieces, and here's the first part, and here's the last part. Oops, there isn't. The moment I've cut the circle into pieces, I don't have a first and a last that I can separate. So only the universe is able to be one, to contain all of these contradictions and opposites. So we reach the third insight. And this is the one that is, so we've looked at, you know, that you don't make God and the intellect knows that and the first constraint taught us that. We then have that no one worships the stone, they worship the correlation to divinity. And then we took that even farther and say, there is no other than God that's being worshiped. So there is, to worshiping other than God is not forgiven because there's nothing there to forgive. So these letters, we had the ones that are utterly transcendent. So they didn't connect to anything else. And then we had the ones that are, that are touching and joined and linked to this transcendent Aleph. So all these letters. And so apart from this tribe, so there are, there are, there's, people, there are people who are, who worship transcendently. They have no connection of themselves to the, to the essence. And then there are those who worship connected to this essence. And these are the ones who have, who are all these letters who connect to this essence, but because the essence is connected to them, they can't tell where they begin and where the essence begin, where they end and where the essence ends. They're connected. And so, they are not aware of where is am I and where is who. And they become covered up because they look just the same as everyone else. So these people who are connected to the divine, connected to the Zat, the essence, they look like everyone else. And so they can't be distinguished. And so Ibn Arabi explained, so transcendence and similarity. If God were only transcendent and not similar, we would, even, we would not even recognize that there is something to talk about. So if God were completely unlike us, our radars, our detecting machines would not be able to have any detection that there's something there. So God has to be transcendent and similar. But if God were only similar and not transcendent, then we wouldn't know which of all of these things which are like us is God. So that's how God is transcendent and similar, similar and transcendent. But these are similar, so they have the divine, the essence, in connected to their letters, so they cannot be seen. On account of this, Junaid, the master of these ranks, said, 
No one reaches the step of truth until 1,000 true speakers testify that he is a dualist. So they have to be so, they, they are connected to this essence and, and they look just like you and me. And there's nothing to do, say that they're different from us. They look exactly the same as we are. And so a thousand true speakers will look at this person and say, no, there's nothing special about this person. No, there's nothing transcendent about this person. And when a thousand true speakers say that, that there's nothing special about him, then that person we know has reached this truth. But the people who are not of this family are hurt by that. So there are people who are that who are, they are joined and linked to the essence and they're unrecognized by the population. And this, when the people in the general population see them, they do not recognize them. So they don't say this is a special person. This is a holy man. This is a holy woman. This is a special person. You see, there is no visible matter in their letters in the way they are that differentiates them from everyone else. And when the people in special populations, such as legal scholars and masters of theologies and wise men of Islam, when they see them, they say, let's call that one uh, infidel. They declare takfir. They say, make, declare him an infidel. And when the wise men who don't have revealed law, so that's the philosophers in his day, they say these are insane people. Their intellects have been weakened. So only the ones like them recognize them and the ones God has cut them off apart from his creation to be solely for him. So the only people who recognize that this person with their feet and their hands and their mouth is this special person and they don't look anything different but only the special people who are themselves that recognize this is a special person, but there's nothing in their letters which tells them that they're special. God says concerning this, and they do not measure God with his rightful measure. These have an abundant portion in this verse in the place the general and the special populations are unaware of them and the Muslim and the other than the Muslim. So no one is recognizing these people for who they are. And that means they are not measuring God with his rightful measure. So what is the rightful measure of God? Much later, I will say, none recognizes the right measure of the true, except one who recognizes the complete human being, who looks just like every other human being. The one God created flush against his image. And this is khilafa, someone who from behind God acts. Thereupon, the true describes himself in the visible image of himself having two hands. So the true is saying, there I am with my two hands. There I am with my two legs and eyes and so on. Everything the Hadith Qudsis come with. So there I am with these two legs. There I am hungry and you didn't feed me. There I am thirsty and you didn't bring me water. These are the special ones of God. God has special ones among his creation. The ones protected by the curtains of divine jealousy. So only the true recognizes them. Do some of them recognize others of them? Here there is something to halt to and learn. So Ibn Arabi is saying there is a question. Can we see those people who are special to God? Where God says, see those two hands? Those are my two hands. You see those two feet? Those are my two feet. 
So do other people, are there people who can say, oh yes, I see God's two hands in that person there. I see that person walking with God's two feet. So the question is, who recognizes that? They are the ones sought after of all of the worshiping slaves. May God join us with his family who are sought out by God. I hope that I may be among them. Okay. So. The mystic guide opens the way. Brilliant space surrounds the soul. The rose of light, its petals, divine names, blossoms in the grateful heart. The mystic guide pours the true wine. His tears of love flood the world. His blessed face, a golden Quran, shining as the rising sun. In your painful mystery of love, lovers find the cure for pain. Wandering through the desert of longing, crying aloud, Allah, Drunk with delight, censored by men, eyes aflame with desperate love. Your friends cry out like Moses on the mountain, Lord, reveal yourself to me. My eyes are weeping with love's agony as I dance on the mystic way, possessing nothing, not even myself, crying out, poverty is my pride. My dearest prayer is your fair, my victory banner is holy sea. Paradise is not my conserver, hell is not my anxiety. You are as a praise of the holy cover, you are as a seeker, temples and shrines. I am from every religion, crying aloud, Allah, Allah, to become the true human being, one who knows love, one who knows pain. Before me, be utterly silent, be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. Be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. Thank you, wonderful. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So. Oh, the first question. Okay. <laughs> Whenever, wherever you turn, there's the face of God, and God is, and there is nothing with who. What does it mean? Does it mean that we humans are God as well, since there is nothing but who? What are we to God? Are we creation or are we God? I would very much appreciate understanding this and lift my confusions. <laughs> yeah, this is, well, that's, that's, that's the one. So, uh... So, they, so when, when God, and it's, it's, so it's, 
just just to say very briefly, uh, it's it's very helpful in, in English to have the capital G and small g, because this is exactly what Ibn Arabi is saying, that the small g God and the big G God. So the, we go back to the, the mist, we go back to the beginning, and uh, God says, I am a treasure which is concealed, but, or and, I want to be recognized. And so I will bring a people and they will, and I, they, I will bring a people. I love them and they will love me. So before they are, before they exist, they are loved. And so I am going to bring a people that I love them and they will love me. And so the Huck, and Ibn Arabi says in the simplest way to describe it, Huck looks at the mirror and the image is you. The first image is the first constraint. And that's the light of Muhammad And this first constraint says, there is no God but God. That's all there is to see. There is no God but God. And then the one who looked at the mirror says, and Muhammad is his messenger who will tell people and explain to people and clarify for people that there is no God but God. So when you look at it from the perspective of the divine, all of the images are divine images. They don't come from anyone else. So let's say the divine were red. Each of these images would have a red tint in them. There would be no other color but this red tint because there is no one else looking at the mirror. So all the images are divine. But all of the images that are looked at are constrained. They're incomplete. And so they are not the infinite, they are finite. And just the way all letters are sa and sounds are coming from the chest and exiting through the mouth, when, they, when that breath moves through the mouth and comes out here, it's no longer the original breath it was when it was inside. It's now a letter. It's a B or an M or an N. It's no longer the letter that came from the inside chest, which could become any letter. So it, it's been constrained. So the, all of the letters that are coming get slowly, slowly modulated until they come out of the mouth and now they're constrained. So it is God and it is who, but it's also not who because it's now been constrained and it's not the same as the unconstrained letter. So there's a comment, we have to resolve it with quote, nothing is real, capital R-E-A-L, but Allah, and then a question, does this mean there's no forgiveness for this since none can be guilty of this? Right, because so, so first, yes, the, the resolution is there's nothing that's real that is that has being that is being except Allah. When I have being, I have constrained being. I have being for one moment and then I'm out and then I have another moment of being and then I'm out another moment of being. So I can't be God because I, my being isn't mine and I can't keep it. But the being that is there is God. And these two hands, they can be God's two hands. And so they can be God's two hands and doing what God wants to do with these two hands. 
or I can think they're my hands. And if they're my hands, then I've constrained them. But if I am that special person, then these two hands are the divine two hands. And so does this mean there's no forgiveness for this since they're not? So there's no forgiveness for associating partners with God because there is no partner that is existing. And so if there's no, if there is nothing there, then there can be no forgiveness for it because forgiveness is to cover something up and to forgive it. And if there's nothing there to forgive because there's nothing there that there is, then there's nothing to forgive. And Ibn Arabi then said, but if there were something there and it were solid, then it could be forgiven. <laughs> so, which just is a nice way to blow your mind a few times. So, And another comment, apparently, as all is experienced through images and puppets and shadows. Yes, right. So there's, there's the, the, the viewer and the viewed. There's the cherisher and the one cherished. And so these, and we experience these as images, the shadow puppets. And so, and so we are the means by which Allah or Haq sees itself in the mirror. Um, Dr. Alex asked to ask a question regarding a previous lesson. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and, and, and unmute and listen. Good morning, Shway. Thank you for excellent lecture. My question has to do with a sentence in your second volume. Here's your uh -huh. oh, okay, good. Here's your book, and it's uh, books three and four. Right. And going back to page, going back to page nine. Uh -huh. Here's the okay. Page nine. On top of page nine, I put a question mark. Mm -hmm. uh, the comment there. Uh, I don't know if you guys can read it. it, says divine view is of all of the layers as a single whole. The creature's view is this state layer or that state layer. So my question, I understand you did explain, you did spend two sessions explaining the mm -hmm. hypersphere mm -hmm. and how we see layers of the hypersphere three-dimensional layers of the hypersphere at a time, but God sees the whole hypersphere. Right. And those who are connected, the awliya, they also see the whole, what's to come and what's past. Right. But is it possible, my question is, is it possible that what is to come that's being revealed by Kashif, as you mentioned later on on this page, um, it's revealed, but it may change by the time it arrives. Two examples are one is uh, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him. He had repeated dreams of sacrificing his son, but the reality was opposite. He ended up sacrificing a ram, but the dreams were clearly his son. Another example is our Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, the first major battle, battle of Badr, Badr, his dream vision was his kashif showed that the Quraysh arrived with a ragtag army, few people, poorly armed. But the reality a day or two later when they got there was totally opposite. The Quraysh was 
10 times the number of Muslims, extremely well armed, horses, everything, totally opposite of the dream. Mm -hmm. So, and these are two high level uh, prophets that the Keshef turned out to be opposite mm -hmm. when it actually happened. The, the layer that they saw by the time the layer arrived from the hyperbole, it was totally opposite or different than what they saw. Uh, is Ibn Arabi saying something about this or does it always occur? How is it that sometimes it doesn't occur the way it was shown to mm. these people? Yeah. yeah. And sorry to, to change the subject, but I got permission <laughs> to go back to another <laughs> lesson. Good. Yeah, uh, the, one of the images is the, uh, is the bird and the, the dream is carried in the bird's claws. And if the, the bird lets the dream go, it crashes down and it no longer uh, is going to be that way. And so what is happening is that you're having a multi, you have the, the vast earth where these dreams take place has many, many different uh, images in them. Some of those images will turn out to be the image that happens in the future and many of them won't be. And most of them won't be. And so what we see when we enter into the vast earth, into the dream, we, we see that something that could be, or, and, and so if we, if it is to be, then it will come in, it will come into play. And if it is something that is a lesson for us or a teaching, we spit to the left and the bird drops the dream and it doesn't turn out that way. So that's, uh, that's the, one of the positions. The other is Qadr and Qada, uh, but you can be sure that we better not go into that right now. But the, all the things, there, there are things that are predetermined, which are like the obstacle course, which you're going to go through in your life. How you react to each of these obstacles is something that is to be known, and that, will, that has to be seen to be known. And so that's why we have that very difficult verse, Hatta Na'alam in Surah Muhammad, until we know. So that these things will happen to me. And until we know, means the divine names, how I'm reacting to it, they won't know which of the divine names to apply. So this is how, because of that, we, there, is a, there is a predetermined obstacle course and that's fixed, that's set. And then there is the unpredetermined how we react to these obstacles, obstacle course. Okay, um, coming back to the class, mm -hmm. uh, comment. And when I love him, I become. I am his two hands, two feet, etc. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, this is so so very. I mean, Ibn Arabi is just telling us that's. It's so very very. We we especially us, we seekers, we tend to emphasize transcendence, that God is other than us, bigger than us, greater than us, all of these transcendent things. And Ibn Arabi is pulling us back to say, these two hands, if God becomes these two, these two hands become God's two hands, they won't look miraculous. They won't look really fancy, really amazing, long fingers or whatever. It'll look just like this. It'll look just like this. And what that is, and so Ibn Arabi is saying, those are the letters that join up with the Zat, the essence, in one stroke. And so no one sees that they're special. 
And so the people who say, look at these two hands of God, then the special populations, the Muslims who are wise men will say, takfir, call that guy an infidel. <laughs> Declare him an infidel because he just said these two hands were God's hands. And Ibn Arabi says, that's why it's a pain in the neck <laughs> to be one of these people because no one recognizes you. And then Ibn Arabi says, well, maybe somebody recognizes. The other people who have these two hands are God's hand, they recognize you. And that becomes this very special family of God. <laughs> if there is nothing there to forgive, what is the meaning of us asking for forgiveness? Astaghfirullah. And we are also told this, that the prophet, peace be upon him, asked for forgiveness 70 times a day. Yeah. There's nothing to forgive for this, uh, the idea that, of shirk, that there's another partner to be associated with God. So there's nothing there to be forgiven. Uh, the forgiveness that you're talking about here is the forgiveness of covering up. And that is that when something happens to me and I say, these are my two hands, that is a problem. And the moment I say, these are my two hands, I forget to say that these are God's two hands. And when I say, oh, thank, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this uh, food truck that came and gave me food, and I'm not thanking anyone else, I'm not thanking God who gave that to me, then that's a problem. And so whenever I think I'm the one in charge, everything comes from me, these are my two hands, this is my two feet, then I need to cover that up. And because I've forgotten that these are God's two hands, and that is God who is the one who gives things to me and nourishes me and cherishes me. So for asking for forgiveness is to ask to be re-turned uh, to recognizing who gave me what was just given to me. Who is, whose two hands are these two hands? A comment, I see the dreams as accurate. Abraham sacrificed the quote attachment that army was in fact ragtag. Yeah, well, Ibn Arabi says that the, that the senses never lie and the dream never lies. So the, but the, you need to interpret them. So that's like with op, optical illusions. So when the eye is taking data in and the eyes never lie, they get the data the way the data comes. It's up to my mind to say, that's an optical illusion. The moon looks huge because it's close to the mountain. And so my eye uh, is seeing this, the data is there, but my mind thinks, oh, that moon must be absolutely huge. So the next time you go out and you see a huge, huge moon, what you do is you then go like this and cut off all the background or the side things and the moon whoop, comes back down to being small again. It was only large because the mind was saying anything that close to the mountaintop must be huge. And so the mind makes it larger. So, so do that with the moon next time. You put it like that and, you, and suddenly it comes down again. And so what that tells us is that the, in, the information, the data is never wrong. The dream is never false, but the interpretation of the dream is true or false. You get it or you miss it. Regarding forgiveness, Perhaps how we affect others or situations in the human sphere, like the blind man who was sent away. Yeah, the, um, uh, Ibn Arabi has a beautiful way of describing all of all of that. The events when when uh, the the 
the movers and the shakers of, of Mecca, of the Quraysh, would say to the Prophet Sallallahu said, you know, we don't want to sit with you because you're sitting with all this, you know, ragtag bunch of people, these slaves and these blind people and these poor people, and we just don't want to sit with you. And so that that became the, the very big the very big issue, and and what and then the Quran was revealed. We'll have to go through that another time. But it's a quite a, a beautiful way. It's it's saying that what is the job of the prophet? He then was learned that not to make sure that these movers and shakers accepted Islam, but was to tend to the people of the bench, the poor people and the blind and the slave. And so, um, so that was that was certainly uh, this this lesson of of that his job was to propagate the message, but not to guide anyone. If it isn't possible to do shirk, then what was the need to send prophets to invite people to worship Allah? So that so there that was the two insights. The first insight, number one, there was if someone thinks that they've just made God, they've created God by creating this statue, then they have forgotten the, they have, they have been, they've gone away from their first constraint, their first teacher. And the first teacher says there is no God but God. So that is a lesson that the intellect tells us that there is no God but God. It's quite natural, Ibn Arabi says, for us to believe that when someone hands me uh, some water, and I drink it, that that's God, because, you know, that giving of water, which I need so much was given to me. So I worship that, that cause. And Ibn Arabi says, that's a natural thing to believe that all of these causes are God's helping us. But the intellect has to tell us that there is no cause and no God, but the one cause. And when I forget that, then I ask for forgiveness, asked to be turned back and God turns to me, I ask for forgiveness. And then I realize that through these causes, God acts. Uh, ragtag meaning without the reality of the spirit. Yeah, so, uh, so the things that I claim to be my own are hollow. And, the, and, they, and so they are without spirit, they are without being. So if I say I am, that's a problem because my being, it can go in two seconds. And the same way our Zoom rectangle can disappear just like that. So that is our reminder that we are not solid beings and therefore we are dependent. <laughs> nice analogy. Um, <laughs> only the universe can accept the universe. That's, oh, that's the, that's the way to say it because the, that only the universe can be one and therefore have opposites. So if I, if I take a ball, it's got an outside and it's got an inside and I break the ball up into lots of little pieces and I'll say, okay, I'll put all the outside pieces over here and all the inside pieces over here. Can't be done, right? So that tells us that only the universe can, can accept the universe because the universe has to be one. So when the one looks at the mirror, the image has to be one. Does this mean that some parts of the body can be connected to God, e.g., the hands, while other parts are not connected? Absolutely, and that's from the and the and Ibn Abi loves the verse that comes that on the day of judgment, your skin and your feet are going to say, 
are going to be declared innocent. So they're going to say, I'm innocent. This guy made me walk over there where I wasn't supposed to be. This guy grabbed with my hand, me, and made me grab someone and he shouldn't have done that. And so they're innocent because it's not, they didn't do that. And so definitely there is a disconnect between the body, which is always worshiping God, and the me, which sometimes thinks I'm God, or maybe there are lots of gods or has other kinds of delusions. So the, the hands and the feet and the skin are never wrong. And that's why all of the plants and the minerals and the animals, they automatically worship God. So they're always worshiping God. And the, and the plant part of me, the part that grows, the mineral part of me, the carbon, and the animal part of me is always worshiping God. But the human part of me can or cannot, or sometimes worship and sometimes doesn't worship. And this is why the complete human being is so special, because it's the part that could not worship, but does. And that's by love. Um, Richard's trying again. <laughs> Only the universe can accept opposites. But is it the case that the universe is because of the opposites? Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if you think the opposite, the inward, outward, the, and so because of the manifesting, the manifesting makes something manifested, um, and then that, and so all of to enable to receive all of the names which are opposites and one, the universe has to be opposites and one. So that's how uh, that Adam Eve are taught all of the names, so that every name there is is on this side as well. So every, everything that God is, adjectives and names and nouns on this side, is also on our side. And that's why you are the most tremendous name of God. Um, while reading the two chapters, I found that Ibn Arabi separates between the Elah and the essence. Aren't they the same? Even in Arabic, the meaning of the word Elah is unclear. The Salafis, as we have learned from them here in Yemen, define this word as the worshipped. Has Ibn Arabi given a specific definition for the word Allah? Yeah. So there is the word Allah and there is Al-Ilah. Al-Ilah. And so Al-Ilah is the God. And Ibn Arabi says the word is not a derivative word. It is Allah. It's a name. And it's just, you could use that name. You could say it's six or five, or you could call it Criador, or you could call it Khuda, or you could call it all of these names in all of these languages. But that's that it is a personal proper noun. It's not a description. So Allah in, in Ibn Arabi's Futuhat is the one that is a, is a personal name and not a description. Because if you were describing with another language, you would give another name to it. And so this is why we have, it's so good, it's so, in a sense, easy to translate with the small g and the large g. So that the large g is, is God. In English, we say God. That's the one that everyone says, if you ask who, who created you, they say God. And if they say, uh, uh, I don't want to ruin the French or something, but if, who created you, en français, you would say Dieu. And so... That, and so that is the answer. And so when Quran says, who created you? They said, Allah, that's in Arabic. If the Quran is in another language, it's who created you? You would say Dieu. 
or God or Creador. Universe gives birth to the consciousness. Consciousness gives meaning to the universe. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, so that the, the who recognizes God, so God says, I am a treasure concealed and I love to be recognized. So who recognizes God? Yes, the creation. And so the first one to recognize God is the first constraint. And that is so, it's so beautiful. The first view of anyone, your first view of your beloved is the most powerful one. And that's called the first love, right? So that's the most powerful. So that's why the most beloved is this first view of Haq, which is Muhammad Sallallahu as the Nur Muhammad. And that first view is so beautiful because that is the first consciousness that says, I recognize who you are. So la ilaha illallah, and then the one who is recognized says, and you are the one who is the messenger of this reality. Beautiful, okay. But I'll just to, Omar, to, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I'll just say one thing is quite uh, quite interesting is that paradoxically, the mushrik, the person who associates mm -hmm. another with God, in reality, they are not associating another. They're not putting another with God. They're doing exactly the opposite. They're worshiping only half aspect of God. Right. So they, rather than one plus, it is actually one minus. Yeah. But, but, but my, my question is, um, you know, like you, uh, Ibn Arabi saying that there is nothing to cover up because there is no an other. It doesn't exist. But I have always associated that, that God will not forget, will forgive everything except association, as in the person who does the association, rather than the associated deity which does not exist but, but the person um, mr john or or, or miss mary who, who, who you know like or or saeed or whoever who, who actually have associated another with god therefore by doing that uh, they have worshipped one aspect of god which is incomplete and that surely merits a covering up because it's an incomplete act of worship yeah yeah, but what, what's being covered up is, as you say, is not, is not the associated partner. What's being covered up is the ignorance. That is that one is jahil, one is ignorant that this is not, is not God with there is no other God. So that, that ignorance uh, is, is something that has to be uh, mediate, remediated, has to be remedied. And so, um, so if I worship something and I say, this is God and there is no other God, there's just this one, then that, that's an ignorance. And, th and that, that has to be remediated and that has to be then forgiven. And the way it is forgiven is that um, I see that this is God and this is God and there is still God. And so that remediation uh, is, is this process of, of forgiveness. And uh, yeah, and, and, and so when, and, and so Ibn Arabi is saying when that person on the day of judgment comes and all of the uh, statues and idols and selves and everything that he worshiped is taken away as saying, you know, they're innocent of you. They didn't ask you to worship him. Then they are the most bereft. And so then they are told that you have been worshiping God all along. Then they are the most delighted of all. <laughs> so Ibn Arabi said that how delightful to go to that place and just when you think everything has been taken away from you, you say, oh, 
you have been worshiping God all this time. And the joy that you have is the joy, he says, which is greater than the one who knew that he was worshiping God all his life. <laughs> so, A um, yeah. couple of comments. Covered up is darkness or ignorance? Um, so, so, yeah, so the, uh, the, uh, so that was that, that verse in the, in the last verse in that poem, the, this chapter was, I had to, uh, the same word mist, but I had, but one time it's the misty blindness or cloudy blindness. And the other time it's the mist where everything comes. And so uh, what, so when we say, I can't see because of all these clouds, there's a there's a that's actually ignorance because I should click and say wait all of these clouds is what there is to see and that's knowledge and so that's why knowledge is always beautiful because the same cloud which I think is clouding my vision is actually the cloud which is all there is to see and so the same cloud that says I can't see God's hand because all I see are these two hands click oh these two hands are God's hands and then everything changes. Yeah. So, well, let's let's. And just a, a, a suggestion that yeah. you keep all the illustrations and put them in your books. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a, a wonderful uh, colleague has said that she's going to take these PDFs and build them into a book. So, that's that that is a wonderful thought, and it's already being done right now. So, alhamdulillah. Okay, everyone, it's so good to see you. Beautiful faces. And you know which face I'm looking when I see your faces? <laughs> Who is that face? <laughs> okay, good. Take care. Thank you.